Hello again, welcome to Living Indigenous Media. I'm your host, Green Charger. Uh, today's episode is focused on law and kind of its intersection with media. Um, talking with a variety of scholars and professors, uh, Cornell P. Wardy was a guest at the at the uh, at the event that I was invited to, the uh, Indigenous Justice Initiative, hosted at Haskell Indian Nations University by some former colleagues and friends of mine. Um, and it was a really great event. A lot of different presentations and discussions were held, and uh, that was kind of the point, talking about the law from an indigenous lens. Uh, I really believe that the law is, is a form of, of media that is kind of evolving and growing in Indian country. We're looking at different forms of writing, different forms of perspective in the world, uh, and especially with you know Standing Rock and any kind of a environmental concern as well as political and social concern, uh, the law is really crucial and important, and I think it has a big media intersection. Uh, so without any further delay, uh, please enjoy this episode of Living Indigenous Media. Okay, welcome back to Living Indigenous Media. This is uh, an episode focused mostly on law. I'm sitting down here today. Uh, we'll be having a variety of guests on a few minutes. Uh, today I'm sitting with Gable Rubidoux, uh, a senior at Haskell Indian Nations University. Uh, him and his group have put together the, uh, what, what are we calling it? The Indigenous Tribunal? Uh, yeah, Indigenous Justice, Indigenous Justice Initiative. Okay. Uh, indig- more so than a tribunal right now. This is just the tribunal's next semester. Okay. And we're building up to that right now. Okay, awesome. Um, so I know I know you. We have some uh, some kind of esteemed guests here today, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Dave Wilkins and uh, remind me on the other the other P. Wardy. P. Okay, yeah, pretty big names mm-hmm. in in the indigenous law. And why I'm kind of focusing on on indigenous law as a media, which I don't think most people would think of law as being a form of media or a medium. Uh, when you're operating in in the realms of punitive justice only, I feel that do you think of laws being set in stone and only this way and only one way? Uh, I think what you guys are trying to do here today is kind of demonstrative of cultural expression, uh, self-determination. And for, for that reason, I think of, of, of laws being kind of a, a, a new native media movement. Uh, tell me, Ruby, what, what are you guys trying to get done here today? Uh, well, today mostly uh, we did this again last year, basically, mm-hmm. and we had an issue with the decision. Right. Uh, at the time, we had a couple non-indigenous lawyers on our little uh, justice panel. Right. And when we were deciding the decision, they had a very hard time separating indigenous justice from American criminal justice. Right. And so we wanted to put today's event together specifically to build a indigenous opinion of the legal system and kind of build a way to navigate indigenous ideas legally uh, just so that when we put this tribunal on next semester, mm-hmm. people aren't trying to grasp onto federal Indian law. Okay. And, and so a lot of people's... Uh, understanding of like what the realms of Indian law are or can be are are still completely defined by this federal aspect. Is that is that kind of what you're saying? Oh uh, yeah, completely. Like we're com- it's all involved in that treaty relationship, which right. is a federal, which are federal documents. So it all stems from relationships with the federal government and tribes. Right. And so it's all federal. Uh, everything that everything that 
we are federal in a sense, our own federal, you right. could say. I, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, how do I say that? It's pretty prudent that this is happening at Haskell, considering, you know, our federal ties. Um, former Haskell alum here myself. Uh, I think, you know, in, in this post-Standing Rock world that we're living in, the way laws and the way natives get viewed by these other uh, cultural institutions, you know, is becoming such an important conversation as it always has been, but it's getting more and more, how do I say that, visible, you know, especially in Indian country. Uh, With that, do you, I have a couple of questions here that I've written down, Uh, you know, do you consider it important for Native peoples to get away from the punitive justice model only, Uh, you know, looking at some, some Diné intersections of, of, of restorative justice or whatever you want to call those kinds of justice models, more traditional. Do you think that's important? Uh, definitely. And one thing I'd like to mention right now is I think we're kind of building towards an understanding of a difference between indigenous justice and restorative justice. Mm-hmm. Because when people talk about restorative justice, they focus on people. Right. It's in the context. It's an anthropocentric thing. Right. Uh, indigenous justice is more about humans are more so last in that sense we need humans are alive because of water right because bees pollinate trees because trees give air like we're here because of this interconnected circle and that we kind of understand that that interconnected circle doesn't necessarily need us right we need it and so when we talk about restorative justice in an indigenous sense it's a holistic idea in that it circles all the way back around to that notion of equality and what i was talking about during my presentation of the fact that human rights just the first mention of it Mm -hmm. is the establishment of inequality right right where the human becomes the more uh focalized point and you know, I think that that is one of the biggest intersections that we could uh, that we could end on for 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 our. You know, I'm trying to get a, a talk with all of you, uh, tribunal members, or uh, uh, what is it again? The justice movement, the Indigenous Justice Initiative, Indigenous Injustice Ini- Initiative. My gosh, I cannot speak <laughs> this morning. Twister. Yeah, it's a good one though. Um, again, Rubidoux, thanks for being on. This is uh, Living Indigenous Media. Uh, welcome back to Living Indigenous Media. Uh, uh, I'm here with another member of the Indigenous Justice Initiative, uh, Cindy Farley, another senior at Haskell Indian Nations University. Uh, Cindy, uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, you can, you can talk if you want. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Okay, uh, so what we're talking about today is kind of like looking at the law as a form of medium or media. And we were talking about this a little bit earlier. Like I think a lot of people are focused on the law as kind of like, and me and Ruben were talking about this, that the law is focused on this unchanging uh, set in stone kind of concept. And really what I think you guys are doing here is, is kind of upending that. Uh, Do you kind of want to share with me like what, what you've gone through putting this all together, kind of seeing what it might do for the future and, really uh just just kind of your experience working on this throughout the last year or so um well i came on really late i they started kind of meeting together as a student um led 
group or whatever the fall of 2016 i believe and i came on um this spring right away spring of 2017 Mm -hmm. and kind of got the fast track into this is what we're doing this is what our goals are and um like would you like to help or give bring your own personal experience and your own tribal experience and knowledges into helping this and i was like oh my god this is a lot but it was a little intimidating at first because i I didn't really feel very equipped or um uh, too experienced or you know um in my own studies of law or my own studies of indigenous law Mm -hmm. or indigenous um perspectives i um but you know i followed uh what they were explain the rest of the group would explain to me and um, kind of got the hang of it and then our outside research that we um, kind of divided up amongst each other and what our f- main focus was kind of helped me gear towards the bigger focus and mm-hmm. um, add in my own personal experiences and my own tribal knowledges and um, stuff like that uh, and it's last year um, it was a bit of a challenge because um, you know, it was on a Saturday and right. it was during Earth Day. Right. So um, <laughs> not a whole lot of people showed up, but there was more than we expected, which was really, really great um, on that end. And one of the other I- and it's a um, probably just a communications issue mm-hmm. of, you know, um, hey, you need to be here right <laughs> when it starts to get the, <laughs> the background <laughs> information so you're aware of what's going on the entire time. So right. that was a little bit of a struggle as uh, some of our justices who, you know, are, um, you know, non-Indigenous and um, who did grow up or they, they firmly believe in or they're structured in the Western idea of law and the Western idea of the frameworks of law right. um, and justice. So that was a little difficult to explain because some of them didn't show up um at the start of it and they didn't get the background on like undrip and the mystic or not the mystic like but like undrip and the different documents and um presentations that we had from faculty that Mm -hmm. um helped us out with this so they missed the key part of the explanation (laughs) and that was a little difficult um and um but like once we kind of got back into the dialogue um, or opened it up for dialogue and discussion. We um, g- had the opportunity to individually, like, you know, give our input and why we're doing this and what this means. And kind of, um, even though we didn't, they didn't get the chance to hear about UNDRIP or the other supporting presentations that we had. We kind of, you know, wrapped it up a little bit in our own, um, in our own ways that uh, tried to help them understand. And even then, you know, like I said. Um, a couple of them were still kind of st- not stuck in their ways. I don't want to um, put them down by any means, but um, it was hard for them to understand the concept of indigenous um, justice or the framework for an all indigenous or indigenous um, centered or indigenous focused um, term or not term um, concept of justice. Right. And um, it it's it was a great learning experience, and um, like a- as. Gabe's probably told you that we're looking to build off of it um, each time. So last year was our, you know, um, <laughs> pilot episode, <laughs> if you want to call it right. that. It was the pilot and um, get working out all the kinks. And this year is a little bit more structured in the sense of explaining what, like, our principles, like Shane went over and, you know, the doc, 
the documents um, on the international context that I went over and then the supporting documents. And um, Andy's presentation on the doctrine of discovery and how we interpret it and how right. indigenous peoples um, interpret it and how we apply it to our own knowledges and our own experiences. Because, you know, um, in a lot of indigenous cultures, that's not separated. Like, it's no. all interconnected. Exactly. So um, getting to explain the framework a little bit more and like refining it with um, purity and Wilkins being here is an immense help and um, it's um, a great opportunity for them to collaborate with us and to add on and give us critiques that we really need from experienced people in this realm right? Um, and the connected realms. So, um, and Dr. Wildcat has been amazing. So, uh, I, you know, that, that's, that's really something that I'm seeing here is like, I, I, I really think that this can be a, a bit of a movement, you know, mm -hmm. I, I don't know that this is happening anywhere else. Uh, you know, I know that there are a lot of centers of Indian law where, p you know, people are studying law in the law schools, yeah. in, you know, the higher, higher realms of education. But on an undergrad level and in a kind of like forum that's accessible like this, I think is a really uh, indigenous kind of cross section. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm to have it be accessible like this is, is really important because I think one of the one of the big concepts you do when breaking down law is is getting rid of that gatekeeping. You know, that's kind of a big theme I have in <laughs> yeah. this podcast is, is talking Definitely. about gatekeeping. And, you know, the law is looked at as one of the big cultural institutions. Uh, and, and I guess that's really one of the most uh, important things I, I've liked from uh, your guys' talk is is kind of like the scope. So in your presentation, you were talking about kind of the uh, international aspect, right? And I think most people will think of Indian law. We say Indian law, and that talks about just maybe small local state to tribe government or even tribe to federal. But, you know, you guys are talking about, you know, getting to these higher levels. Like, why, why aren't natives represented in the U.N.? Why aren't natives represented maybe at the Hague or something, you know, I, I think it's really important. Um, just kind of the scope of, of, of your guys's project. And I, I, I really am excited to see where it goes in the next few years. Uh, Cindy, thanks for being on. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay. We're back with uh, living indigenous media uh, again here at the indigenous justice initiative. I believe mm -hmm. uh, here with Dr. Dan Wildcat, uh, professor, longtime professor at Haskell Indian Nations University, uh, and kind of the academic overseer of this group of people who've, who've been working on. Uh, no one can uh, oversee <laughs> this crowd. I, I tell you, I don't think so. Yeah, I think yeah, these are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is a, this is a group of people who are, who are going to go very far. Absolutely. Uh, I just wanted to have a quick little conversation with you, Doctor Wildcat, because I'm I'm doing this podcast mm -hmm. and and we're talking about indigenous media movements. Right. And so when we think of, of law, as I've kind of talked with the other guests, you know, right. we think of law as these very concrete things. Right. And now we're seeing native law become a kind of cultural expression or traditional yes, expressions exactly. or even contemporary expressions. Absolutely. Where, where do you kind of see this going for, for natives? Where, 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 I know we've, we've talked about this today, but what mm. are some of the peaks that you can kind of see coming? Well, I think we've got a lot to look forward to, and it's going to be your generation uh, uh, rain and it's going to be the students who've been involved in this and and using media like like this podcast to kind of advance this. I think the most important takeaways for me 
is that um, when we think of the law, we think about these legal rational constructions, written down bodies of codes and regulations. And I think what we have recognized as indigenous people is th this system, that kind of system, federal Indian law, does not really work for us. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work for us because we have older, ancient traditions of justice, justice traditions. And I think where we're really moving now is to a serious discussion about how we create our own institutions, our own places where we'll draw on those ancient traditions of justice, not saying we're going back and living in the past, but applying those principles to the world we live in today. And I think that, I don't think there's anything romantic about that. It's gonna be very hard work, but if you think about some of the principles that Dave uh, put forward and that when we get together we always seem to recognize indigenous people mm -hmm. what is that the world is alive the world the universe is 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 alive it is a it has a personality it's a being we're one small part of that so we always begin with that acknowledgement and then that, that the d double acknowledgement of how immense this this living universe is that we are a small part of acknowledge that along with the notion of um, the sense of humility it gives us as human beings that we have to be so humble about what we know and I think that's a interesting point of departure you know just always that acknowledgement that we're a part of something much larger than ourselves which leads us into the, the notions of living among relatives not resources I mean if, if I could think of one major paradigm shift think of how the institutions of the modern world would change if we started treating the other life we share this planet with as relatives as opposed to resources we must use efficiently or wisely. Uh, I don't know about you, but in my family, if you start treating your relatives like resources, you're going to get put in your place <laughs> real quick. You're not going to be asked to come around much more, okay? And so, you know, that and and counterbalancing this absolute fixation dominant society has with inalienable rights, with inalienable responsibilities. You know, that, that theme came out so strong today for me. Mm -hmm. We live among relatives, not resources. We have responsibilities to this larger living system that we are a part of. And I think, you know, uh, the good news in this I think if tribal colleges and universities, if some of our tribal communities start trying to create systems, uh, uh, I mean very practical systems, economic systems, education systems, governance systems that are guided by this, I think other people will see how successful those kinds of things are for community health, for individual well-being, for our children, that I think people will start looking to native peoples uh, for the models that they need to adopt. And, and so that's where I right. find the hope. That's what, I, that's what I'm hoping will happen this century is that people are going to start looking to indigenous peoples to figure out how we can live well on this planet and I, live, live justly. I think that's great, Dr. Uh, Dr. Wildcat. And it's great to be seeing it coming out of uh, Haskell and Nations and University. And I mean, <laughs> it's a great place for it to happen. And I, I think we'll have a lot more programs and activities like this in the future. Awesome. Well, I hope to see you on Indigenous Peoples Day. You bet. You bet. <laughs> Thanks, you Dr. Will. Wildcat. Bye-bye.
Okay, welcome back to the uh, Living Indigenous Media podcast. Uh, I am here with Dr. P. Wardy, uh, coming from Portland State University, I believe, right? Yes, and I'm retired now and living in Lawton, Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, we just wanted to have a little, quick little talk for you. Uh, uh, thank you for coming today. This was a, this was a good day of the Indigenous uh, Justice Initiative here at Haskell New Nations University. Uh, we, we just wanted to talk to you a little bit about... Uh, I'm, this podcast, I'm talking about indigenous media movements. And when we think of the law, we think of the law as being very concrete and very set in stone. And these are a lot of the topics we talked about today. More and more, I think we're seeing the law become like cultural expression and, and traditional expression. And to me, that is as, as a modern uh, signifier of, of an indigenous media movement. So what I kind of wanted to talk to you about today is, is where do you kind of see uh and i talked about this with dr wildcat earlier where do you see native law kind of going where do you see these these expressions kind of leading to you know wh- where for you where do you where, where do you hope to see these uh discussions take us they're going towards self-determination okay they're going towards self-determination but they're they're moving slowly because they're with the medium of academe. And so those that are, are not access to privilege of attending such uh, lectures and symposiums will probably not hear this. But it's got to be broader than that as far as a, a, a freedom movement as you begin to think about uh, what we really are wanting to say about self-determination. Mm-hmm. I think that our artists, our musicians that are hearing the word of our struggle, they're more advantaged than those of us that are scholars, mm-hmm. that are writing and doing the talks on, across the country because our artists are more appealing to our people. They're creative, take like the 1491s. Right. They're very appealing. They're saying the same thing. And our artisans, the, the writers and the storytellers and the painters and the crafts, those are people are saying the same thing they're talking about liberation they're talking about freedom and they're doing it mm-hmm. or as opposed on my end i've been talking and writing and, and and trying to teach you know decolonization within the classroom so but it's it's a very privileged uh, community that you can go to the college university not every person is going to go to college or hear that kind of voice and not every person that go to college is going to get an indigenous professor Right. That's going to be talking truth to power. So that's why I see the medium has to be broader. It has to be brought in with artists, musicians, painters, people that are really knowledgeable at decolonization and they're reaching a broader audience than I, I would ever have in, as a scholar. You know, I think that's really important. And, and it's something that I'm, I'm starting to see kind of uh, with my generation. You know, I'm, I'm just a first year grad student now. I just graduated from Haskell last year. And uh, an intersection that I've always tried to, to, to kind of hit is that I play music as well, and I've always tried to incorporate this decolonized knowledge or this AIS knowledge or whatever we want to call it uh, as, as kind of – and using music as the vehicle for that. That's always been something I've been trying to attempt. Uh, and when I saw that you were a musician as well, I saw that, you know, when you look for you on Google, you show up as a musical artist on Spotify and all these different places. It's kind of awesome, you know. It's really important because we're seeing natives be in these multi disciplines. They're not just in one 
uh, field or anything anymore. I think that's going to be kind of the kind of where we're going. Um, I also really thought that this event is is really prudent for for this time because this weekend is the uh, uh, the Fort Laramie reenactment up in Wyoming of and that treaty signing. Uh, I, you know, it just it makes me wonder are we are we still too focused on the past of our kind of dealings with these uh these other legal entities or are we is that a positive thing to you are we too focused on on what has been no i think the the, the past is really important because it's our story mm-hmm. and whether our story's been told or our perspective is really important not to falsify our story like the you know the colonists have right but for us to tell our story in our terms in our own way mm-hmm. and then for another generation not to hear that story it'll take another generation of learners right. those that uh, are going to retell the story over and over and over till we get to understand that's that's just the way we are this is who we are and that's where we come from so that's really a part of our tradition as, as storytellers as artists, as musicians, as scholars, we're carrying out tradition of decolonization. Hmm. You know, I, I think it was really powerful what you were talking about uh, today in terms of, you know, looking at the movement or the struggle or whatever you want to call it as a big multi-tiered thing. And, you know, I think a lot of students, I know I did this when I first got to Haskell, we look at it as going from one step to that highest rung right away. You know, and I think it's important that we have uh, our elders and, you know, our other people who've gone before to kind of help us along the way of of getting to those steps, you know. Uh, And what you talked about with your school that's upcoming, uh, you know, it sounds like the perfect way to do that (laughs) (laughs) to me. Well, you, you have to go step by step just to understand the development of your consciousness. It's everything to do with your knowledge base, your family, the language you speak, and what's important, what matters to you and your family. And that, to me, is what schooling is about. But also to put the schooling that is indigenous-centered is really important. And then, you know, to refine that, to make it either whatever the tribe may be. For me, it would be Mm Comanche-centered, Kiowa-centered, Dene-centered, whatever the focus may be of the nation. And then move in that direction because the major emphasis and in, in mission for many of these indigenous schools is just making good citizens mm-hmm. out of the students as they grow up to be good partners to be good relatives to be good in all things that you do but that's not different than you know uh previous previous days the ancestors we've always moved in the direction of perfection mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think that's a really good point to end on, uh, Dr. P. Wardy. Again, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for appearing on the podcast. And uh, we hope to see you again maybe uh, on Indigenous People's Day. Uh, uh, travel safe. Well, hello again. This is Rain Charger, again with Living Indigenous Media. Um, and this has been the Indigenous Justice Initiative episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Some of the conversations we had got into really cool spaces. Um, which I think speaks to the power of media and and law in general. Um, You know, talking about indigenous ideals of law and justice, getting away from uh, only the anthropocentric aspect of justice, which is, uh, you know, so common in in Western uh, thought. Uh, Really enjoyed the the interviews with Dr. Wildcat and Dr. Pewawori. 
you know, indigenous thought really probably will be the curve in, in, the, in the coming future in a lot of different uh, aspects of society. And Dr. P. Wardy, you know, talking about that intersection of law and media, I think was just, uh, was really profound. Um, I, I know that he's retired now from academia. Uh, the school that he's planning on setting up is, it just sounds phenomenal to me. Uh, keep an eye out for that. Well, uh, I, I'd like to thank you all again for listening to uh, Living Indigenous Media. Um, and I am your host, Ray Charger. We'll be like.